Blog Talk Radio. And it's just you and me in 
Well, welcome to another edition of Prayer International Radio. I'm your co-host, Sean Holmberg. We'll be joined by Christopher Herzog later on in the broadcast. Um, our call-in number tonight, 619-638-8458. Um, over the next two hours, if you need prayer for anything whatsoever, please give us a call. Um, we can either pray with you in private, we can pray for you on the air. Um, if you don't have a phone, um, then you can always email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com or go to our website, which is prayerinternational.org, and there is a prayer submit place that you can submit prayer requests there, too. So um, we took tomorrow last night off, um, and we're back tonight. Um, ironically, whenever we actually do take breaks from this show, me and Chris both um, start feeling guilty after um, a few minutes, it seems, because you never know if there's anybody listening who actually needs to hear the word of the Lord, anybody out there who is seeking and searching for the Father. And one thing we've learned and um, have grown to trust the Lord in is that if there are people out there, um, even people who've never heard of Block Talk Radio or never searched the Internet, if the Lord's working in their hearts and they need something from the Lord, he'll find a way to get them to the place they need to be so they can receive from him. And so um, we have people, and I'm assuming every person on Blog Talk Radio has the same, where people will be calling, will be um, listening in um, for various different reasons by the leading of the Lord. Some people who are believers who have served the Lord their entire life, and then some who may not know the Lord Jesus Christ. But either way, um, you're all welcome here tonight. Um, so let's um let's start it off and pray. Um Father, as always, Lord, we submit and give these next two hours over to you, Father, and we declare that this broadcast is yours, it's not ours, it doesn't belong to me, it doesn't belong to Christ Lord, but it belongs to you, Father, and we give it completely and totally Jesus into your hands, asking that you would be glorified that your name would be exalted, Father, that you would reveal yourself to men and women and children, Father, who may be listening either live or through an archive later on, Father. Lord, we ask that you would reveal yourself to them, Father. Open the eyes of their hearts. Lord, open their eyes, their spiritual eyes. Open their spiritual ears, Father, so they can perceive you, Father, so they can hear you, Lord, so they can know you, Father, so they can come to the knowledge Father, that you have a place for them in your kingdom, Father, that they are chosen, Father, that they are sought after by you, Lord, that you have done everything, Father, to reunite them, Lord, to you, Father, and have given us your word, Father, as a guide to lead us and guide us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, if there's anybody out there tonight who wherever they're at in this world, Lord, whoever out there is listening and needs healing, Father. Jesus, according to your word, which says, by your stripes we are healed, Father. Lord, and you said if we would ask anything in your name that you would do it. You also said whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive those things which you ask. Father, you also said that 
we know that you hear us. We know we have the requests we ask of you. So, Father, I ask, Lord, Father, that you would touch every one of them, Lord, every person right now, Father. Lord, heal them from the top of the head of their heads, Father, to the soles of their feet, Lord. And everything in the middle, Father, that you would completely restore them, Father. Remove every disease in your name, in the name of Jesus. Completely heal every organ, every tissue, every abnormality, every deformity, Father, every tumor. Lord, every bit of disease, Father, every sickness, Lord, that you would cause it to be removed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, I ask that you would give them clear heads, Father. Give them clear minds, Father. Clear up any confusion and doubt, Father. Father, we rebuke the spirit of fear, Lord, and declare that your word that says that we, you have not given us a spirit of fear. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, Father. So we rebuke the spirit of confusion over them, Lord, and ask that your peace would reign in their hearts, Father that they would be rooted and grounded, Father, in your word, be rooted and grounded in the truth that is the Lord Jesus Christ, for you said that you are the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus. So, Lord, you said that you go to prepare a place for us, Father. And in so much that you have done that, Father, I ask that you would reveal to every person in listening, Lord, their place in your kingdom, Father, their place as a child of the living God. Father, you said that you have seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You said you have forever perfected those who are being sanctified, Jesus. So I ask for every one of them, Lord, that you would give them a sense of their identity, Father. You would reveal to them your plans, Father. Reveal to them your purposes for their lives, Lord. And not only for their lives, Lord, but for the lives of their family, for their children, Father, for everyone that they would come in contact with, Lord. And that you would be manifested, Father, you would be exalted and magnified in their life, Father, that your presence would dwell in them and among them, Father, every minute of every day for their lives, Lord. Thank you. Um, so, Jesus, um, we're going to go into a direction we usually um, don't go into as much. Um, and so we'll just start off and see where this goes. Um I had a talk with a friend of mine the other day about the law, and um, the question that was posed was whether there was two laws or one. Um, there's a law of commandments that were given to Moses on the mountain, and that law, while good, um, because it was the commands that were needed to follow the Lord out of obedience. It also, in a way, brought death because it, it brought death and life at the same time um, as a two-edged sword. In one hand, it um, brought death in the fact that it proved that man could never be perfect on his own, that man could never be righteous on his own. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says our righteousness or our righteous acts are like filthy rags to the Lord because as much as men would try, they can never obtain to the perfection. Um, he said, be holy for I am holy. Um, and men could never do it on their own. And so while the law brought death, it also brought life, that it was a tutor um, revealing to us our weakness and our dependency upon the Lord Jesus Christ when he was revealed and revealing to us that our lives would not be and could not be um, 
kept and established in our relationship with the Father. Our righteousness couldn't be because of ourselves, but it could only be through faith in someone else's works on our behalf, which is what the Lord Jesus did. And, you know, um, so there was the one law, but then, you know, Jesus said that, um, or it says in Romans, it says, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free, set us free from the law of sin and death. And so it speaks of two different laws, one of the law of the flesh, the law of, and then the law of the spirit of life in Christ. And I want to expound on those a little bit tonight through what Jesus said. Um, because, you know, Jesus came preaching and teaching, and but when he when he preached and taught, he didn't teach as someone, um, as someone who was just a regular scribe or Pharisee, but he taught of them, the, the Pharisees um, declared that he taught with one having authority. Well, where did his authority come from? His authority came from the Lord God, um, the Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Um, Jesus said he never did anything on his own authority, but through the authority of the Father. He never spoke. He never made a move unless it was because of the Father leading him and guiding him. And he was very um, careful to listen for the voice of God. He spent great many hours alone in the presence of God so that he could receive direction from the Lord so he could fellowship with God and in return know the heart of the Father so that way that heart of the Father that he received he could turn around and take that out to the people in the world and um, so anyway um, verse 23 of Matthew chapter 4 he um, has begun his ministry he's been tempted by the enemy um, was victorious through that, through the word of God. And he has just made um, the disciples, um, his disciples, they were fishermen, and he came up to them and chose them, none of them being wise, none of them were the elect or the scribes or anything else. They were just regular men and women, um, no women, sorry, just men um, who were just um, going about their daily lives. They were fishing, most of them. One was a tax collector, and they were just doing what they normally do. Um, one guy was just sitting under a tree, and the Lord showed up. Um, because the Lord wanted to explain that in no way was it because of the works of men. It wasn't because if your calling wasn't, and their calling, and our calling was isn't because of anything we could do. It's not because of our own merit. You know, um, grace is considered the unmerited favor of God. Um, the Bible says um, later in Acts, Paul was told by the Lord, he said, my grace is sufficient. My unmerited favor is sufficient and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so even by choosing the disciples that Jesus chose, he was established, starting to establish a pr principles um, for our lives. And he's trying to pull back a curtain. You know, the final curtain he pulled back um, was the curtain that separated uh, men from God inside of the temple. Because um, there was the temple, there was the outer court, inner court, and then there was the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant sat. And there was a veil that stood 
in front of the Holy of Holies, and only one priest could go in once a year into the presence of God. And so Jesus, that was the final veil that Jesus pulled away. But up until that, and that was a physical veil and a spiritual veil, and up until that, Jesus, through his teaching, through his works, through most of the things he did, he was slowly pulling away layers like an onion um, that had been covering the hearts of men and the perceptions of men. And he was pulling away layers and trying to get to the heart of the matter, which is a relationship with God. And um, so if you go through the Gospels and you study the works of Jesus and the words of Jesus, you'll notice that everything he was, a lot of the things he was teaching about and speaking about and even his actions were done in such a way to reveal a new side and a new perspective and a new perception of the Father and a relationship with God and our relationship in the world, our relationship among each other. Because up until this point, everybody thought they had it all figured out. Jesus sort of came here to say, you know what, you have a good idea, but you've taken it, you've twisted it, you don't completely comprehend it, and so you're missing out on the greater picture, which is your relationship with the Lord God and how that relationship should affect everything in your life. And so in verse in chapter 4 of um, Matthew, verse 23, um, it says, And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching that the gospel of the kingdom, or preaching the gospel of the kingdom, um, which is the good news of the kingdom. Um, later on, um, the disciples mentioned that word gospel. Um, Paul even said um, that he was called to be he was called to be a um, he was called to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and just so you know, if you're new listening to this show, um, if you break down the word gospel, some just consider the word gospel to mean the good news. But if you really want to break it down, um, G O S P E L, and you can write it down, is God offers sinful people eternal life. G O S P E L. And it says, and he was healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all of Syria, and they brought to him all who were sick, all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Now, um, I'm going to be going over um, the Gospels and I'm going to start with Matthew and over the next week or the rest of this week, and we're going to go step by step through some of this because um, there's so much in there um, that it would take a lot of time to really in depth go through the works of Jesus. Um, but, you know, when it says that his fame spread and they brought to him all these people who were sick and who had various diseases and torments um, and those who were demon-possessed because um, there was people back then who were demon-possessed Nowadays, and the days and the times that we live nowadays, people don't really believe in demon possession anymore, um, except for a few people in the Catholic Church. Most people don't believe in it. They just assume that that was something maybe back in the Bible, or um, they assumed that it wasn't really real, or it was just an analogy for something else. But I can tell you that if the Word of God declares it, and especially when Jesus speaks about it, that it was real, and it's still real. Because um, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. Even Paul declared later on in Ephesians chapter 6, he said, For we battle not against flesh and blood, 
which is not against one and one another um, or people, um, but we battle against um, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places against the rulers of the darkness of this age. And so Paul is trying to declare, just like um, the scripture in Matthew is declaring here, and what Jesus was doing was saying, you know what, there is a spiritual battle out there that you may not be able to see. And that spiritual battle and those spiritual hosts of wickedness, um, the demons that are out there, do wage war against the men and women of God. And not only Christians, but non-believers alike. Um, the devil doesn't discriminate because the Bible says that he's only come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So if Satan is moving in one direction, performing certain works, Jesus on the on the opposite end of the spectrum would be doing completely the opposite, while the enemy, Satan, would be entrapping people and destroying and stealing from their lives. Jesus would be coming to, restore, to, um, to restore and to build up and to save and to deliver. And another thing on this is that, you know, nowadays um, people who are epileptics and paralytics and um, have various diseases and torments and whatever else, um, in today's times, um, people just believe in doctors. And so whatever the issue is, they just assume, okay, well, they just need more medicine or we can just medicate them and that'll fix it. And But few people realize that, you know, Jesus didn't have to say, well, go to a pharmacy because he realized the only medicine or the one thing that was better than physical medicine was spiritual prayer, which was having the authority to declare and to heal something based on the word of God. And it says in verse 25, great multitudes followed him. And from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So pretty much as far as the I could see, um, people were hearing about Jesus, his famous spreading. This man has come, and we haven't seen anything like him. He's healing people left and right. Anything that's wrong, you just bring it to him, and he'll heal it. And, you know, what this says is that, you know, men, people in general, had been searching. They'd been longing. They'd been wanting answers, wanting salvation, um, crying out for it, praying for it, and but the answers weren't to be found anywhere. Later on, um, there's a story of a woman who had an infirmity for like 30 years. And she had spent all her money on doctors and nobody could cure. It was pretty much one of those things where nowadays we would say, okay, well, there's no cure. You're just on your own. We'll try to make it better until then. But Jesus said, well, you know what? I'm not just going to make it better. I'm going to heal it. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. And so in verse 5, Jesus begins to teach. Um, and it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who, pers who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, quickly, we could run through um, some of these. Um, meekness is almost like, um, well, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Um, you know, poor in spirit um, is more like a dependence on the Lord. It's when you're not haughty, when you're not prideful, when you're um, submissive and humble before the Lord. Um Declaring that everything is because of him and not because of you um, It says blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted Those who are longing for the things of God and not the things of the world Blessed are the meek And which is about humility and self-discipline um, For they shall inherit the earth Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled Now that's an interesting one because um, it says later the seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that you need will be added unto you. Um, and this is, and Jesus is declaring, you know, if you're hungry and thirsty after the righteousness of God, you're going to get it. If that's what you desire, that's what you're going to get. Um, it says what a man sows, he will reap. And, you know, there's lots of debates about sowing and reaping, but, you know, um, there's a verse that says when you sow physical things, you reap to the physical. When you sow spiritual things, you reap to your spirit. And so if you're sowing in such a way in your own life um, And you're laying good seed Of the word of God And your desire for the righteousness That only comes from God Then he will turn around And fill you with his righteousness But not because of you Because of him Because you had faith in him So automatically through your faith He's able to fill you up And declare you righteous It says blessed are the merciful For they shall obtain mercy um, And there's a couple um, stories That Jesus says about that That if you Aren't willing to forgive other people of their sins How is God ever going to forgive you of yours um, Blessed are the pure in heart For they shall see God Another instance of You know we can't be pure Except through the blood of Jesus And that So if you are living your life In a way of faith And trusting in the Lord for your righteousness Then it establishes your purity And establishes your ability To have that direct connection And be able to see God um, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be Called sons of God um, And because you know what um, Children take after their parents And so if You are a peacemaker And you're having the Which is the, part of the character of God Then you be called sons of God Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven And a lot of these say for theirs is the kingdom of heaven If you're poor in spirit um if you're meek, um, if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, um, and many of these is showing the character of someone who's serving the Lord, showing the character of Jesus Himself, the character which we um, become, the character which, and the attributes of the Lord that happens through the um, relationship with the Father and the works of the Holy Spirit in our life. You know. It says there's fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, righteousness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And every one of those could be emanated in, um, in, these, um, um, in, in this teaching that Jesus said. Um, none of these can be done theoretically on your own accord. None of these could, have been, um, could be done just because you try to. But almost all of them are because that... Um, the Lord does it through you and in you. 
He says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, a lot of people, when there is um, issues, a lot of times when people are persecuted and their faith is put to the test, they get discouraged and they try to run and they try to become defensive and they get agitated. But, you know, Jesus is saying when the world hates you, rejoice. Because the world, he said later on, you know, if you are of the world, the world would love his own. Because, but because I've chosen you out of this world, then the world hates you. If they've hated me, they, then you know they're going to hate you. And it goes into the identity we have in him, is that if we're following the Lord Jesus Christ, and we've given our lives over to him, then, you know, as it says later on, um, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's not only your life, but your citizenship, that you are no longer able to relate to the world in a certain way because you're no longer of the world. You know, sometimes we see ourselves of the world and of the Father at the same time, but that's not what the Bible says. While we carry about a physical body, our place is in is in heaven. Our citizenship is no longer of this earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. Seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Our identity is not with this world, because we're not of this world any longer. We're not of the things of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. We're of a spiritual creation of the Father, new creations in Christ Jesus, which the world cannot comprehend, cannot perceive, cannot understand, because they do not have the Spirit of God. And then it says in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses flavor, how can the earth be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And he's saying, you know, know your place, know your identity, know who you are. You are salt. You are the only seasoning, the only thing that brings flavor in life. The only preservation, if you want to put it in this way. Because, you know, salt, um, in a long time ago, used to be a preserving agent. And um, people would take salt and they would put it on their meats or whatever to help preserve it. And, you know, without the presence of men and women of God and delivering, having the presence of God around them, then the world would slowly, even quicker than it is, fall into um, decay and fall into corruption. But we are the preserving agents declaring the presence of the God, declaring the kingdom of God into a world that's full of darkness. And if there's no light to shine out into the darkness, then the darkness will overtake it. And then what hope do men have, what chance do men have of coming to the realization and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ if we're not out there being the preserving agent, being the light, to allow men to have the chance to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, you are the light of the world. <laughs> Which is interesting. He said he didn't say, I'm the light of the world. Now, John said he was the light that comes into the world that gives light to all men. But Jesus said, you are the light. Well, why is that? He said, a city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. Because, you know... So why did John say that Jesus was the light, and now Matthew's saying that, or we're quoting Jesus to say we are the light? And the reason is, is because the Bible declares that Jesus was the express image of the glory of God. While he was just as much God as God, he was also the express image, the reflection of the glory of God. 
And we as believers of God, as we as children of the Most High, we are the reflection of the glory of Jesus into this earth. So when people look at us as a reflection, they see him and they see the light. So we become that light. We illuminate that light. We shine out that light. But the light isn't actually us. The light's him. We're just reflecting that light into the world. And so when people see us, they shouldn't be seeing us. They should be seeing Jesus. It says, let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your, your Father in heaven. He doesn't say anything about let him see how good you are so you can get praise. But let him see how your character is, your integrity is, so that they can glorify the Father, so they can reveal the they can understand the Father. You know, Jesus said, the works that I, that I do declare who I am. And I'm paraphrasing that. But he said, um, he said, the works I do themselves are testimony of the Father and that the Father sent me. And our works and our, our actions in this world, us being a light into this world, and the, and, our, and the things that we do and our steps of faith in the Father toward this world, those are things themselves declare that we are of the Father and not of this world. Jesus said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets, which is pretty much the majority of the Old Testament, the law being um, the first five books, the Torah, and then some of the other ones, and the prophets. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one title tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Now, we know through revelation of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, that He was the fulfillment of the law. And the law could never pass away. But the law was there as a tutor to bring forth and to... And the law will always be in place because the law is needed to be a tutor to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything in this earth, no matter what it is, in some way, points to the Lord Jesus Christ. The law itself, as long as it's around, will always declare that men cannot obtain their own righteousness. It would always point to our dependence on the Lord. He said, um, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And you know, the scribes and the Pharisees had righteousness that came from themselves. They followed the law as best as they could. Like Paul said at one time before he was saved, when his name was still Saul, he said, I was a Pharisee among Pharisees, um, followed the law perfectly. But following the law perfectly doesn't get you into right standing with God. It doesn't clear your, cleanse your heart from sin. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only through our relationship with the Father. It's only by grace you are saved through faith of the Lord. And he says in verse 21, You have heard it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause 
shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on your way with him. Least your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. As surely I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Now then, um, we talked in the beginning of the broadcast about how the teachings of Jesus, for the most part, a lot of them were revealing as far as trying to reveal the true nature of the Word of God and the laws of God and the character and integrity we're supposed to have. And that, um, you know, the, um, later on there's a verse where someone comes up and says, um, I followed all the, what are the commandments? That, he says, what commandments are the most important? What are the best? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body, and love your neighbor of yourself. And these are the fulfillment of the law. Being love is the fulfillment of the law. In that, if we love the Lord, or love God with everything we have, no compromise, no sacrifice, he has every bit of our affection and love. And we love every single person on this earth, no matter who they are. Let me just point that out, emphasize it, underscore, put little circles around it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the fulfillment of the law in a way Because It's impossible to sin against someone It's impossible to sin against God If everything you do, you do is, is through that Through the love that comes Through those two commandments um, You know Jesus is also bringing up You know About forgiveness You know If he said If your neighbor, has, if he has something against one of your brothers, don't come to the altar of God with bitterness in your heart because you're going to miss out. Don't come to the Father and expect to receive blessing and honor if you're still holding unforgiveness in your heart against someone else. He said, how can, how can the Father forgive you of your sins if you're not willing to forgive those who have sinned against you? And he's in verse 27, you have heard it was said of, to those of old, do not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Um, and you know, the last one about um, having a problem with your brother, or, um, he said, you know, in the beginning it was, um, you shouldn't murder, and he says you shouldn't even hate or be angry or hate someone. And now it's okay. Well, you can't. You, you were told you can't commit. You can't physically commit adultery. But I'm saying, don't even have adultery in your heart. And so, what he's actually another thing he's doing here in the two in, with these last two um, scriptures is that Jesus is taking the law to a new level, and that the law, and, and as far as explaining the dependence on um, the walk of faith and the walk of, of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is that the law is no more, and our walk is no more something that's just done on the outside. The, the walk and our, our relationship with God and our righteousness is something that's done on the inside. 
It's not so much just your actions, now it's your heart. Because the Bible says that God sees a man's heart. He knows a man's heart. That's what he's looking after. He's not necessarily just looking at the outside. He's looking at the inside. Jesus later on said, out of the heart the mouth speaks. And he said, it's not what comes in a man that defiles him, but what comes out of a man that defiles him. And, you know, it says and then verse 31, furthermore, it's been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. And so, you know, he keeps saying, in the beginning, you were, this is what you've heard. You've heard this. You've heard this. You've heard this. But let me explain what it really means. From the beginning, this is what it really should mean, is that it should be an attitude of your heart. You shouldn't do anything grudgingly or because you have to. It should come as as uh, should come as an outflow of your heart and your relationship with God. And when the Holy Spirit starts working on you, developing you in you the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, righteousness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, then all these things of the heart come naturally because you become transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you start thinking as God does. You start thinking and having the character of Jesus. And verse 33, again, you've heard it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, you should not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is, it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And he says, you have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other one also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels with you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Now, through this scripture, um, you know, one thing that he's pointing out is, and he said it in the verse before, um, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything we have whether we realize it or not, belongs to him and we're merely stewards of it. Since the Garden of Eden, men have been set as stewards over the things of God. The things of this earth are still the things of God. Anything on this earth is his to begin with. Any creation belongs to him. You know, if you go to a company and you create something, usually there's um, something written in your contract that says all um, inventions, all creative, whatever, um, belong to the company and they don't belong to you. Well, in a way, every device, everything that men create on this earth belongs to the Father and can be used for his purpose. And everything belongs to him. Everything we have, our money, our finances, our family, our houses, our homes, our cars, everything belongs to him and therefore should be used for him. And with everything we have, even though the Bible says that um, your life does not consist of the abundance of things that you possess, God does allow us to have possessions, not just so that we can hoard them and keep them and store them up, 
but that we can use those to bless other people, that we can use those to bless the Father, that we can use those to reach out and touch those around us who don't have and need things. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemy. Wow, now then we get to back to the love word. Wow, um, which we know that he says was the two, the, the greatest part of the law. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and body, and love your neighbor as yourself. And now Jesus is saying, love your enemy. Love, wow. Um, so all the love we have for our neighbors, we should turn around and have the same kind of love for those who are enemies. And learn not to see them as humans see them and as the world sees those who you would declare to be enemies. But, you know, Jesus, God said, vengeance is mine, I will pray. It's not our job to have grudges or bitterness or unforgiveness or anything. It's our job to love everybody with the love of the Father. He said, um, but I say to you, love your enemy, bless those who curse you, do good for those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father. Once again, it goes back to the character of the Father on the inside. For he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only... What do you have more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so Jesus is declaring that this is a lifestyle change. This isn't something that men were used to. Um, you know, um, I'm going to stop there and we'll pick it up again tomorrow, but to expound on it a little bit, um, you know, men have a habit of holding on to things they don't necessarily need to hold on to. Um, I remember um, a evangelist missionary named David Hogan was um, giving a sermon, and he was talking about spiritual warfare and demons and um, things he had encountered and um the jungles of Mexico, things that most people haven't heard about, may not believe in. And he wouldn't go into detail about them because he said if he did, then people would just start making up doctrines about them. And, you know, the Bible says that people, that the people back then, which we still do today, um, held the doctrine of men more than they held the doctrine, the, the words of the Father and the law of the Father. Because doctrines, Declare that you can establish something that you can have control over, that you can have a set of principles and you know what they are and then you're in control. And um, as long as I do this, just this, this way, then I'm good to go. But, you know, the law of the Father, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, um, doesn't declare that we're righteous on our own. It doesn't declare that we make our own way. It doesn't declare that we pay our own path or that our righteousness is because of what we do. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ declares that he works in us through us. And he declares us righteous and perfect before the work's even begun. That 
you know, everything is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the thoughts and intents of our heart that the Lord looks at and our dependence and our willingness to submit to him and submit the areas of our lives to him so that he can work in us so that the change isn't just something that's done on the outside for the world to see, but it's something that's done on the inside. Because you can go off and you can talk and you can preach and you can do all the different things. But if you don't have love, like Paul said later on in Corinthians, if you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. There's no power. There's no nothing genuine about it. But the Lord wants people who are going to give them, give them their hearts, people who are willing to submit their hearts in those areas of their lives to him so that he can completely come in and can take control and remove all the areas inside the vessel of your heart that you've blocked off away from him so that he can fill all of that. So then the light shines even more clearly. Um, you know, sometimes, um, you know, if you look at a mirror, mirrors can get really foggy and they can get um, fingerprints all over them like glass and it gets hard to see through them. And sometimes you got to wipe them clean. Well, sometimes we try to, like, we want them to be covered up so they'll... The world can't really see what's inside of us, and they can't really look, and so we can hide that light and hide everything and be all about us. But in reality, Jesus said it all starts on the middle, and then you have to let the light shine out into the world so they can look in, because they're not going to be seeing you. They're going to be seeing him. You know, sometimes we're afraid to go out there, and we're afraid to preach the gospel, and we're afraid to prophesy, and we're afraid to heal, um, pray for people to get healed or anything else, but we're, we're afraid that people are going to look at us. We're afraid to be persecuted and to put our belief and our faith in the Lord out there because we're afraid of what the world's going to think about us. Well, Jesus declared in only the first couple teachings that he had that, you know what, they're not going to look at you. Maybe at first they'll look at you, but the reflection that will see off of you isn't you, but it's him. Because your place is as a child of God. Your place is as a son or daughter of the living God. They're going to persecute you, because not because of you, because they persecuted him. Your life and everything inside of you isn't be, going to be because of you, but it's going to be because of him. It's going to be because of the Holy Spirit working in you and transforming you and making and shaping you into an image that God can use to reach out into the world and to shine out into the world to declare that he is God, that he is Lord, that he is king over heaven and earth. And declare that the kingdom of God has come to the earth, that he has the authority, that he's taking control, he has the keys to death, hell, and the grave, that he has brought salvation to men when they couldn't bring it to themselves or for themselves and declare the way to the Lord. You know, um, it says in... Um, Later on, um, one of the prophecies about the, um, John the Baptist was that he was to prepare the way for the Lord. And we, too, are preparing a way for the Lord to work and to, to be manifested into this earth, into the lives of the people we come in contact with, whether it's people we see on the street or our family members. But our ability to prepare the way for him starts with us making a way in our own hearts and making a place for him in our own hearts so that we can be the vessel and the conduit which he speaks into this earth and manifests himself into this earth. Like he said, my works declare the Father. 
and our works should declare Jesus. It's just like he was the express image of the glory of God, the reflection of the glory of the Father. We are the express image and the reflection of the glory of Jesus into this earth. And without us, they'll never know him. They'll never see him. Anyway, this is Prayer International Radio. Our call-in number tonight, 619-638-8458. If you need prayer for anything, um, please give us a call. We're going to take a break for a minute, and we'll be back in just a few. Yeah. 
as we begin to do that, the Bible says he gives the increase. See, he begins to water our lives through the washing of the word of God and the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. The refreshing of the Holy Spirit begins to come into our lives, that water of the Spirit of God, and it begins to flood over and work over that seed, that seed that we've planted. And see, that seed is ourselves, really. See, you're the only seed in your garden of life. You're the seed. You're the seed. And God says, sow yourself into him. Give him yourself. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. So when you go into the soil of God's kingdom and you begin to break apart, you begin to break down, when God begins to break you and shake those things out of your life and all of a sudden the flesh begins to become broken, all of a sudden that seed begins to be released just like in the natural, there's a seed of the Spirit of God that begins to be released. And it begins to produce a harvest in God. But see, Jesus said, don't let the cares of the world choke out the word of God within you. It's like the, the birds that come on and snatch the seed out of the soil. And you can let your worry and your anxiety, and you can let those negative words and the negative circumstances cause you to get distracted, cause the the seed of the word to be robbed. But if you'll stay rooted and grounded, planted beside the rivers of living water, covered under the word and under the spirit and surrounded with the people of God and the covering of God, see, it'll be like an incubator It'll be like a safe environment for that seed to grow and to produce the fruit and to produce the harvest that God wants it to produce. So praise God. God's kingdom is like a seed. And there's time and then there's a harvest. And we need to realize You just need to hold on. Hold on. And don't faint in well-doing. Don't become weary. Because you're going to reap a harvest if you faint not. So this is Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog. I'm going to go into a time of worship briefly. If you need to call in, the call in number is 619-638-8458. Our email address is prayerinternational at gmail.com and the website is www.prayerinternational.org.
All right, glory to God, we're back. And this is Prayer International Radio. We're going to actually get into the book of Philemon. It's just one chapter. It's actually 25 verses. It's in the New Testament. And actually a lot of people don't read it too often, but it's right after Titus. And it's right before the book of Hebrews. So this is the epistle of Paul to Philemon. And so basically, this letter was uh, written from Paul when he was imprisoned in Rome. He wrote it uh, basically to finally uh, talking about Onesimus, uh, who was a brother in Christ who was with Paul at one time. And uh, anyways... It's kind of interesting, but I just wanted to read it, so here we go. Chapter 1, Book of Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, and our fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Acripolis, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Okay, very interesting here. Aphia and Acropolis, a soldier, had a church uh, in the house of Philemon. Because he's writing to Philemon, he talks about the church in his house. I thought that was interesting. So back then they had house churches. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For I thank God, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Now that's something we can really learn from Paul. He he thanked God. Okay, he thanked God that he made mention always of this brother in his prayers. And this is why, listen, verse 5, Hearing of your love and your faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So he was thanking God. He was praying for this brother. And he said, look, I've heard about your love and your faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus. And I heard about the love that you have towards all the saints. Very interesting. His prayer was that the communication of his faith would be effectual and that he would be able to acknowledge every good thing that is in him in Christ Jesus. Think about that. Imagine if you begin to pray for people that the communication of their faith becomes effectual. Imagine people praying for you and you praying that the communication of your faith becomes effectual. that you would begin to acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. This is the prayer that Paul was telling Philemon that he wanted to pray. He wanted to pray that he would acknowledge every good thing that is in him that is in Christ Jesus. Now imagine in your life, if you begin to acknowledge every good thing that is in you that's in Christ Jesus, If you begin to acknowledge every good thing that's in you that's in Christ Jesus, your 
whole outlook, your whole perspective would begin to change. And that's what Paul, it's funny how some of these little books we overlook, just the rich, the, just the richness that's in them. But think about this. Acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, for we have great joy and consolation. We have great joy and consolation in your love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. He's saying, look, our hearts are filled with joy. We're consoled in your love because of the the saints are so refreshed. The spirits, the bowels of the saints, the, the inner man of the saints are refreshed by this brother. And we need to kind of take heed to that. We need to begin to be the type of person that can refresh others, that can console others, that can bring great joy to others. Verse 8, wherefore, and this is Onesimus, this is concerning Onesimus, verse 8, wherefore I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Yet for love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee, being such one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in times past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. He's saying, look, this is my son. This is my spiritual son. He, I acquired him when I was in prison. And at one point, this brother, Onesimus, was unprofitable. But now things are different. Now he's actually profitable for me and for you. So verse 12 says, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own vows, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he may have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. Paul saying, look, I'd rather him have stayed with me, but I send him to you. Treat him as you would treat me. Verse 15. We'll say verse 14. But without thy mind would I do nothing. But thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou should receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant as a brother. Beloved especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. See, this was actually a slave in the flesh. And at one point he became a Christian. So Paul is saying, well, don't receive him as your slave, but receive him as your brother. And how is it even when our enemies, even when people that we're not at peace with, even when we're around people that we don't deem likable, but when God brings them into his kingdom, when God begins to stamp his seal of approval on them, and he begins to say, hey, uh, this is my son, this is my daughter, then we have to begin to see them as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Verse 17, if you count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. 18, if he has wronged thee, I would put it on my account. Paul said, I'll take care of him. 
Verse 19, I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thyself. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that you will also do more than I say. See, he didn't have confidence in the flesh, but he had confidence that if this brother was obedient to the Lord, he would take care of these things. And as we deal with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, we need to begin to put our confidence in the Spirit of God and pray that they be obedient to the Spirit and walk after the Spirit of the living God. The way that we treat each other is by the Spirit. Verse 22 says, But withal prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, be with you in spirit. Amen. So that is the book of Philemon, just one chapter, 25 verses. Just wanted to share a little bit from that. It's a hard book for some people. A lot of times in churches you don't hear much about this book. But I thought I would just bring it to your attention. Study it, check it out, read it on your own account, and just see the different characteristics in Philemon and in Paul and in Onesimus and men of God, and compare your life. Ask God how this would apply to your life. So, you know, basically, I I see this also. Some people suggest that Onesimus stole something from Philemon. And so you can kind of see if, if Paul led this man to the Lord and he spoke to Philemon and he told him to receive him you know it would be a lesson in forgiveness a lesson in having to forgive a lesson on Onesimus' part on receiving forgiveness from maybe but of course that's speculation but there's certain principles there's certain characteristics that we can see that Paul is charging Philemon that Paul is declaring about Onesimus and himself and the Lord Jesus. And so as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we can take his example and apply it to our lives. Praise God.
days will come when you don't have the strength When all you hear is you're not worth anything Wondering if you ever could be loved And if they truly saw your heart they'd see too much You're beautiful
All right, well, praise God. We're back, and uh, for International Radio, just taking some time to worship the Lord. Just want to uh, thank those of you that are in the chat room. Looks like we've got Terry, which is actually my wife's cousin, uh, in the chat room, and Rosemary from Australia. Linda was in there earlier, and a few others uh, in and out. Hey, we just want to speak a special blessing over those of you that take the time to get into the chat room and get to know us and uh, take time to pray for us. You know, God bless you for taking the interest and just sharing your hearts, praying and sharing verses. Uh, a couple of verses that Terry's throwing out in the chat room. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And if any of you are familiar with this one, it's a good one. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And they give you a hope and a future. So I just want to just declare that tonight. You know, God has plans. God has a future for you. And he has defined and declared his word over your future. And let me tell you something. When the Lord has declared his word over your future, when he has defined something over your life, there is no demon in hell that can stand against it. Listen, he says he will hasten his word to perform it. Whatever word he puts out there to go forward, whatever word he puts out there to go over your life, he says it will come to pass. See, God doesn't waste his words. God doesn't waste his energy. And if he's declaring something over your life, listen, he's in you to willing to do of his good pleasure. He's in you to finish what he started in your life. And so I uh, do want to apologize if my chatting slows down. It's because I can't do both. I'm kind of ADHD in that respect, so I won't be chatting and preaching at the same time. So praise God. But listen, you know, if God has declared something over your life, he says, I'm in you to will to do of my good pleasure. Greater is the Holy Spirit within you than he that's in the world. He gives you the ability. He says, you can do all things through Christ, through the Spirit of God within you. Why? Because He strengthens you. It's Him in you. And He will give you that ability. See, He takes His super and He puts it on your natural. And He causes a supernatural ability to come through your life, to come through my life, to come through the, the man or woman, the child of God, through their lives as they submit themselves to the Lord Jesus. And so realize that God's plans for you are not to harm you, but they're to give you a hope. And so when you get downcast, when you're feeling hopeless, when you're not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, realize God's plans are to give you a hope and a future, which means there's a future prepared for you, which means even though things in your life may be dark in this season, even though things in your life may be tough in this season, you need to realize God's not going to leave you in it. See, he's a God that can bring you through it. He says, even though the waters overflow you, guess what? You will not drown. Even though you walk through the fire, the Lord says you will not be burned. You see, if you're standing on the word of God, then the winds and the waves of life can come up against you. But if you're founded on the solid rock, then you'll stand. 
and that solid rock, that solid rock, that solid rock foundation, Jesus said it like this. He said there's, uh, Jesus said it like this. He said there's, he said there's two men, and the, and the difference between the two, they both heard the word of God. They both had the same situations in their life. But one heard the word of God and he obeyed it. And the other heard the word of God and he did not take heed to it. The one that heard the word of God and obeyed, he was the one that built his house on solid rock. And when the winds and the waves came and beat against it, it stood. It did not fall. But the man who heard the word of God but did not take heed to the instructions of the Lord did not take heed to the plans and the purposes of God, did not take heed to the direction of the Lord, whatever the case was. He was the man that built his house on the sinking sand. And when the winds and the storms of life came, imagine building a little sandcastle at the edge of the shore. And as soon as the tide rises and the waves come up over it, it just drags it down right back into the water and just levels it. And that's how this man was. The Bible says great was the fall of it. Great was the fall of this man's house. And sometimes we wonder why things in our lives turn out the way that they do. The negative, that is. And many times it is because we did not obey the voice of the Lord. We did not obey the word of God. We did not build our house. We did not build our lives. We did not build our household or our business or our ministry or our future on the word of God. Instead, we chose to build it on our own plans and our own things. But see, God says there's a way that seems right to a man, but that the end of it is death. Many times, the, the, many are the plans of a man, but see, even when they fall, the counsels of the Lord that will stand. That's why it's very important that you listen for the direction of the Holy Spirit. Listen for the direction of the Lord and walk humbly, walk in obedience. See, God honors an obedient child. God honors the obedient man or woman. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him and seek first his kingdom. And you see, when you put his kingdom first, he says, all these other things will be added to you. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat or drink. You don't have to worry about how you're going to pay your bills. You don't have to worry because if you're seeking first his kingdom, if you're following the plans of God, see, listen, what did he say? I know the plans I have for you. See, God already knows. Isn't it smarter to get in tune, get in touch, get in alignment with the one that already knows the plans, the one that already knows your future? See, his plans are to prosper you and to give you a hope. See, the enemy's plans are to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But God's life is abundant. God's plans See, the, the blessing of the Lord maketh the rich, 
And he adds no sorrow to it. God's plans, he says, are to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. And if that's the case, wouldn't it be smarter to get to know God's plan for your life and to lay aside your plans and to begin to follow his plans for your life? Now he says this, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I am the good shepherd and my sheep know me and they know my voice and the voice of a stranger will they not follow. And so see, God already tells us we have the ability to hear him. We have the ability to hear him. But just like those two men, it wasn't the the keen, the, the, the amazing thing wasn't the ability to hear him. But it was the ability to obey him. So praise God. Well, let's pray. Father, we just give you all the praise and the glory and the honor, Lord. I thank you for every man, every woman, every child that's listening tonight. Father, those that are listening live or archived, those in the chat room, those around the globe, here in the States, over in Alaska, Father, wherever they are. Father, we just thank you, Father God, that you're pouring out your spirits, that you're moving mightily. And, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, we ask, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, Father. We pray that you would open up the heavens, Father God, over every person listening tonight. Father, that you would begin to change the atmosphere wherever they're at and whatever they're believing you for, Lord. You said, according to your faith, be it unto you, you have whatever you ask. And whatever you desire, whatever you pray, whatever you ask, believe and you shall receive. So right now, Father, we just ask. You said if we ask, it shall be given. Lord, I pray, Father, whatever the desires of the hearts of the men and women that are listening tonight and praying and believing you, Father, in accordance with your will, Father, we call it in. Let it be done. Father, we pray, Father, for those that are believing for unsaved family members to be saved. Father, we declare household salvation to go to sons and daughters, household salvation to go to mothers and fathers, household salvation to go out to husbands and wives, household salvation to go out to sisters and brothers and cousins, aunts and uncles. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would begin, Lord, to bring salvation to every household. And now, Father, we pray, Lord God, that we declare you're a healer, you're a healing Jesus, and by your stripes, we are healed. And, Father, right now we declare, Father, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you're moving by the power of your Holy Spirit. And if you're sick in your body tonight or today, wherever you are listening, whatever time it is, look, place your hand on that part of your body where you're sick. Or if you're believing God for somebody's uh, healing, somebody else's healing, in, in faith, and this is an act of faith, Place your hand on that part of the body where they're sick. It doesn't matter. But if you're the only one, whatever the case is, pray for them. Pray for yourself. Pray for you, for them. God, he honors faith. The Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for every person that's believing for healing. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, we declare by your stripes we are healed. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit is surrounding 
that man or that woman right now, and you're eradicating sickness and disease. Cancer is going. Terminal illness is going in Jesus' name. Blinded eyes are being opened right now in Jesus' name. Father, deaf ears are being opened right now in Jesus' name. And, Father, we just declare, Lord God, Lord, that you will open deaf ears. You will open blinded eyes. Whatever the, the man or woman is believing you for tonight, Father, open it up and let it be done. Let it be done. Let it be done in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you right now, Lord. Those that are struggling, Lord God, in their finances, we just pray, Father God, for breakthrough. We declare you are Jehovah Jireh, the provider. And, Lord God, you take care of your people. Father, you take care of your people. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you're moving over every household, every, every business, every church, every ministry. And we just declare, Father God, your finances, your finances right now in Jesus' name. Your finances right now in Jesus' name. Your blessing, the blessing of the Lord maketh the rich, and he has no sorrow too. We thank you that you're taking care of your people. Now, Father, right now we just ask, Lord God, for every person listening that's believing you, Father, for bigger things. Lord God, those that are not satisfied with where they're at. Father, those that are believing for a shift and a transition, Father God, that you are drawing them into a deeper place with you. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that, Lord God, you would help them to see and recognize it. Lord, you said, behold, I am doing a new thing. Will you not recognize it? Will you not perceive it? Now it shall spring forth, you said. And, Lord, right now we declare a new season for the people of God, the child of God that's listening right now, that's believing you, Father. Lord, we declare a new season. Lord, that you'll help them transition into a new season, a smooth transition in Jesus' name. And, Father, we pray for a new song to be in their hearts to go along with this new season, Lord. That, Father God, where the enemy has stolen their song, where the enemy has stolen their joy, where the enemy has lied and bound them up in the name of Jesus, we just pray they would be free in their minds, free in their hearts, free to believe the word of the Lord and and the report of the Lord and not the report of the enemy, and not the report of man. Father, we just seek peace over every tormented mind and every confused mind. And, Lord, we just thank you, Father, that you're healing and touching every mind and every body of every man, woman, every child in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, we thank you, Father, for those listening. Lord, I, I just seek a special blessing over Rosemary in the chat room, over Terry in the chat room, over Linda and those that are listening, Father God, those that are listening by phone, those that are listening by blog talk, Lord, bless them. Bless them tonight for their faithfulness, Lord, to you. But, Lord, even when they're not faithful, Lord, just be faithful, Lord, and thank you for your faithfulness in their lives. Lord, we pray your will be done and your kingdom come in their lives. Your will be done and your kingdom come in their families' lives. Father, surround them with the power of your Holy Spirit. Surround them with your presence. Lord, let your presence just surround them right now, Father. And your anointing break every yoke in their lives. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would stir up every spiritual gift, Lord, over every person listening tonight. That, Father, you would stir up something and activate something on the inside of them. That they would know you in deeper ways. They would hear your voice. 
that they would experience spiritual gifts, that they would experience prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, healing, gift of faith, miracles. Father, take them into deeper places. Show them that you're real. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for Jesus right now, Lord. I thank you for the blood of Jesus, because without the blood of Jesus, not one of us would be saved. Father, we just give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. We just declare all the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. And we just thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, this is Prayer International Radio. Just want to thank you for being in the chat room. Just want to thank you for calling in, checking in with us. God bless Anthony in the chat room. Anthony listening on the phone. Hey, keep us in prayer. Hope you guys have a good night, and we will be back same time, same place tomorrow. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we say, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even Thing I asked.